On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. There are more than 7,000 people living in direct provision centres across Ireland. 30% of these residents are children and teenagers. My name is Precious Rakundo and I came in Ireland in 2016. I live in Mosney and I'm 16 years of age. Today, the Indo Daily brings you the story of Precious Rakundo, a remarkable 16-year-old student who has lived in direct provision since 2016 and who now runs a successful online baking business, which she started during lockdown. But before I speak with Precious about Precious Bakes and her life in Ireland, we must listen and understand the family story. And for that, I turned to Sarita, her mother. What really happened was like, um, I would say like I was in a caged marriage because the whole thing was like when I came, the man took our passports from us and he says he's going to get us like a residential stamp on our passports. So he kept with our passports. Then one day he just called me to say, okay, come to the district. He sent a drive out um, for me and I went to the district and he showed me a paper that I should sign. And I said, what am I signing? And he's like, oh, this is a marriage certificate. You know, we are married. I'm like, oh, there's no vows. There's no ceremony. There's nothing. He said, no, I just want to make things quicker so that you can get your stamp in your passport. So... I've had several chats now with Sarita Rakundo, a Ugandan lady who's lived in Ireland since 2016. And what I get from every conversation we have is the sheer strength of this lady. Mother to Precious, who is 16, Sarita's had a really tough time of things. So essentially, Sarita has worked hard to get money to her family in Uganda over the years. But when she was in her very early 30s, she met a businessman from Malawi and she was wooed and genuinely thought there was a a very real and credible relationship there. And she made the decision to move to Malawi with her daughter to marry and live with this man. Now, what followed was just a terribly abusive relationship. Uh, Sarita's passport and that of uh, Precious were taken by this man. She was essentially caged in her house. She felt that she was completely trapped. It was a very, very difficult time for her. The lovely love affair she was expecting just didn't transpire and she ended up stuck and scared and fearful every day in her own home. 
he kept the passport all through. Like I never had the chance to see them. Then that horrific night, what really happened was like, I said, just, I want to go back to my country. Just give me, or I want to travel somewhere else, give me the passport. So now it was like, now he picked up a fight. He started beating me and all that stuff. And he tied me on the bed and said, tonight I'm going to kill you. When he left the house, Sarita called Precious to come in. And remember, this is her young daughter coming in, untying her. And the pair of them realized that the the bag where he used to keep their passports and basically keep it with them all the time so that they could never get access to the documents had been left. So they grabbed the documents and they fled for their lives. He left the bag that was with our passports in the sitting room. So I shouted and Precious came and tied the and tied like cut the ropes that were tying me. And we were just we just ran out. But before we ran out, then I was like, oh this is the bag that he never puts down. So this bag today it's down. That rings the door. So it said, let me check if that's where our passports are. Because he was sure I'm tied. There's no way I can come out. So I found the passport there, picked them up. We just ran out of the house like that and we went to my friend. So that's how we escaped from him. Then we fast forward to uh, the mother and daughter arriving in Dublin. So when I came in 2016, I did my first interview in, in September. Then in January of 2017, they changed the whole system. Then I waited until 2018. It was like after 14 or 15 months that I could get my second, my first interview again now, because it's like the old one was scrubbed. Everything is now changing to another system. And now we are starting kind of afresh. And it was like whole year of doing nothing. And I was just stressed. I got depressed. I got stressed. I was just crying every day. Like I would just eat, end on my bed and cry and cry. You know, it was a hard moment as well. Sarita and Precious, and, and Precious was 10 years old at this time, had no idea that they were coming to Ireland. They just knew that they were getting on a flight to somewhere, somewhere that would allow them to escape from Malawi. When they arrived in Ireland, uh, they had a brief stay at the Baleskin Direct provision centre. And this is a reception centre where most international protection applicants are taken to uh, once they've declared uh, themselves to be asylum seekers. Uh, So after a short spell here, Dorita and Precious then moved to the direct provision centre at Mosney in County Meath. And they've been there ever since. And it hasn't been easy. Sarita was only able to work in 2018 when legislation changed, allowing asylum seekers to to work. So she had 14 months of not being able to do anything. She found it a very difficult period. So 2017, I remember 2017, I would only eat and sleep. And I, I was like, okay, what a life now. I got depressed. I got stressed. I lost my hair. Like... I, that is the day I think I added a lot of weight because I just didn't know anything better, anything else to do. 
and you know you don't hear from your case you don't hear anything from your solicitor you don't hear anything because at the time they were trying to change the law and everything out of all of this however a beautiful relationship between mother and daughter has formed and it's no surprise then when during lockdown of last year precious developed a love for baking passion supported wholeheartedly by her mother but more importantly the pair are truly best friends if you don't have a partner or someone you can confide in a friend a relative closer to you she's she's the only closest person i have you know she's the only friend closest person i have so i tell her everything that i go through and she tells me the same so we are that close i'm so close with my daughter so much yeah Now, the reason I know about Precious and Sarita and their story is because of Child Talks. Now, this is an event that's run by the Ombudsman for Children's Office. And I spoke with the Ombudsman, Dr. Niall Muldoon, to get an idea as to what the event is all about and essentially how it gives teenagers a voice. Child Talks is a, an initiative we started in 2018, so we're in our fourth year, um, and it, it fits in our, our whole ethos in the office is to hear the voices of children, particularly those who find it difficult to get their voices heard. And we offered an opportunity to do a TED Talk type scenario. So we um, asked children to talk about anything they want. We give a general theme, but it's any issue they want to. And over the last four years, we've heard things like... Um, fast fashion. We've heard children talking about littering in their area. We've heard children talking about uh, LGBT issues, uh, mental health, homelessness. And we really get an, give an opportunity to children and young people to really outline the issues that are important to them, not the issues that we think are important. Um, and this year's this year's lineup is, is equally as good um, as it has been. And we, it just really is an exciting thing for us to do, to uh, live stream the children and the young people putting out their point of view and telling the stories from their from their perspective. I spoke with Niall about how important it is to give teenagers like Precious who are in direct provision the platform they need to let people know their story and know what they're passionate about. That's right. Yeah, I mean, she has a, she's a really positive story about how to make the best of the circumstance she finds herself in, having come a long way to find herself in direct provision. She is really uh, showing an exciting entrepreneurial skill in creating a, her own business from within the direct provision system. And she's just one of many. I mean, there's, there's children today talking about, or children talking about um, waiting lists for scoliosis and the impact of scoliosis on real life. There's children talking about their mental health and, and the impact of COVID. There's children talking about the climate change. Um, you know, we've had previous speakers talking about uh, living with autism, and it's, it really is exciting to hear their perspective. When Precious and I had a chat, I was really keen to hear her own stance and thoughts on direct provision and indeed how it can be improved for people living there. When people come looking for help, protection, anything, um, I feel like they should listen to them. Like, don't like just keep the person in direct provision for like a whole good five to ten years. Because I know some families who have been direct provision from eight years to 12 
And I feel like the longer the person stays in direct provision, the more stress, depression, their well-being will literally go from 100 to zero. When I was settling in, yes, there were some difficulties because I had to make new friends, obviously, and the kids would like didn't really like me because they would say, oh, I have dark skin tone than them. And they would just like pick on me on these little things. And they'll be like, your English is not that great. Yes, I didn't know how to speak English, but my pronunciations of words were not that great. So they'll be like, you're so different. Like talking, these people are talking to me. They're the same skin tone with me, but... um. They just saw a difference because I had dark skin tone than them. And I wouldn't think that it would be a big matter because we're all black people and stuff like that. So, yeah, there was a lot of bullying when I was growing up. So I feel like um, if the person is working and they pay their taxes, they should be able to, like, you know, have permission to remain or as a refugee. So I feel like if they keep people in direct provision for long, it's the more people are going to have less hope and other stuff like that. So I think my message would be don't keep in people for longer, like give them hope to a new life. The thing about Precious is that during lockdown, she really tapped into her own baking skills while the rest of us were watching television or baking banana bread. Precious was going that one step further and setting up her own bakery business online. I always love baking and, you know, in school, in primary school, bake little things like cookies, uh, buns and stuff like that. And I love doing it. But I never like put my mind into it. So like when lockdown came around, there wasn't that much to do. And, you know, I would just like on Saturdays, like bake some cupcakes and stuff like that. But when my birthday was coming around, we couldn't order cake due to the COVID-19 and stuff like that. So I was like, you know what, I might as well make something for myself so I asked mom to buy me like ingredients and stuff like that equipment I needed and she did so I just started from there since that day it's like my birthday gave birth to Precious's business and I was really keen to hear what Precious is planning to do next I want to like finish school and go to college after college I want to um open up like I'll start with a small business but as the business grows obviously I want to open up a kitchen or like a company where others come to learn uh, a skill and like learn from you as well you know like other bakers they might know how to bake cakes but not like same as me right now I cannot bake everything so it would be something really nice to do to like have uh, companies everywhere like I'm planning to really go big so other people can come in you know look at what we're doing learn upskill like basically that yeah and I wondered what kind of advice Precious might have for other kids who are in direct provision. 
Yes. Don't make yourself feel you're small to start up a small business. Don't think what other people are going to say, oh, she's too young or like nobody's going to buy it because you're in their profession. No, that is not. Don't think that. I believe that you should always follow your gut. like And don't let anybody say you cannot do it because you can you can and like it's possible to do anything I would say just go for it risk it all because life is about risking everything if you don't risk you will just be that one person that doesn't enjoy life so I'd say go for it That was Precious Ricondo there, and you can see her baking creations for yourself on her Instagram page at precious.underscorebakes. I'm Siobhan Maguire, and today's episode of the Indo Daily was presented and produced by myself, researched by Tabitha Monaghan, recorded by Gavin Hennessy, with sound design by John Smith. You can listen to the Indo Daily wherever you get your podcasts.